This morning's scripture reading comes from 1 John 1, verses 5 through 9. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the word of the Lord for us. Well, I learned something recently, and that is a week spent without power and electricity will make you appreciate light. <laughs> uh, and, and I know many of you were in the same boat. And like, How many times uh, did I flip on a light switch? Uh, my, my, my closet, uh, even during daytime, it's, it's a dark closet, and so I would always flip the switch, and like, there's nothing there. Um, so, so it definitely made me appreciate light. There were so many times when the sun is going down, and of course we had flashlights, but those aren't the same as turning on house lights. And so you're kind of groping around in the dark. You can't see the Legos that the kids have strategically placed in the hallway. <laughs> um, although I will say, um, I think our family got on an, er- on, on an earlier schedule uh, during that week without electricity. It was kind of like... Well, the sun went to bed, so I guess we should too. We're, and the, the sun's up, so we are up. Uh, and the reason I mention those things, of course, is because we heard from our scripture reading this, this great and powerful and amazing truth that God is light. Uh, in fact, if you would turn, uh, and you don't have to, but if you would turn to the book of Revelation, uh, I think it's chapter 21, verse 23, it talks about spending eternity in the presence of God. It says there's no sun there, but God is there. There is light there because God is there. So it's this amazing image of God as light. So that's what we're going to talk about together this morning as we begin a brand new sermon series. So we're going to be studying over the next six weeks the book of 1 John. And we're calling this sermon series Love One Another. The reason is because we are challenged and encouraged by John's letter here to care for one another. So one of the key verses from this book is, Uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11. And here's what it says. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love one another. That great and beautiful characteristic of the bride of Christ meeting the needs within the fellowship and loving one another. So it's a great encouragement uh, from the Apostle John. So he is the author of this particular letter. Uh, this was the same, same John. He was one of the 12 uh, disciples of Jesus. He's the guy who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the book of Revelation. Of course, then he wrote these subsequent letters of Second John and Third John. Uh, as we understand the kind of context of John writing this letter, we understand he was... He was Later on in years, so most likely he's in his 80s or 90s, and he's so he's in his uh, he's in his advanced years. He's he's in the the uh, the what what do we call it? The golden. Remember the sermon series we did on the seasons of life? What do we call that one? Was it the golden years? I think. Yeah, that's the stage of life that that John is in. And I, and I, the reason I, I mention that is just because I see that as such a beautiful thing, that, that there's something powerful about an older person who's willing to share spiritual truths with others. There's something really powerful there. 
Uh, in fact, as I look at our church family here at, at MCA, I realize uh, this church began 35 years ago, and some of you were part of starting this church. So we, we have in our fellowship today uh, men and women who in 1987 had a vision for a ministry right here on the hill in Fredericksburg, Ohio, uh, and we still have them with us today. We have their wisdom, we have their passion, we have all of the, all of the beautiful things uh, that God has done in and through them. And so I, I want to make a point this morning to say we, we appreciate you, we value you, your insight, your wisdom, uh, just like John writes this letter and we, we sort of perk up and listen to what he has to say, that's the, the atmosphere here at MCA. It is when, when you're willing to share with us, we want to hear what you have to say. We're, we're, we're eager for your insight and your guidance, even as we continue to grow as a church family and step into a new season of ministry together. But we are blessed by uh, those who are a little older in the, in the spiritual journey who are willing to invest in those who are younger. So we are going to be in the book of 1 John chapter 1 this morning. I would encourage you to open your Bibles and turn there. John doesn't waste any time in getting to uh, the core issue of our faith, <laughs> which is Christ. That, that's one thing I want, I want to point out as we start this, uh, not only this morning's sermon, but the study of this epistle, this letter, and that is, if you don't have Jesus right, you're not going to get anything else right. And that's where John really begins is with Christ in the beginning. And so I think people get really twisted up in all these deep rabbit holes of theology. They go down convoluted trails of what could be and philosophies and ideas. And certainly as you look at the world around you, uh, they're very confused. The, 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 the culture and the climate in which we find ourselves is really struggling with what's right and what's wrong. And so we have the opportunity as the church to lovingly and graciously point them to Jesus, to Jesus, to Christ. And so our faith is not just systematic theology. It's not just apologetics. It is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And when we rally around Christ, when we, when we rally around him, when, when our message is Christ, when it's him that we exalt and proclaim and lift up, well, then we have, and this is what we'll find as we study this letter, by the way. Then we find we have fellowship with one another. We have joy in the Lord. We celebrate him working in our lives. And we also then proclaim him to those who are still living in darkness. That's what happens when we rally around Christ. And so I want to uh, begin there this morning. The, the life with Christ is sweet. Uh, that's the theme for our float in the, the parade tomorrow, too. Uh, Jesus, the sweetest name I know, a candy theme. Uh, but the life with Jesus is sweet, and it leads us to great joy. And so that's what we're going to see as we study the book of First John together. Uh, my name is John, by the way. I'm honored to serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled that you are with us today, and I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So let's jump in right at the very beginning. First John chapter 1. So unless you see a number one before John, you're in the Gospel of John. First John is a small little epistle more near the end of the New Testament. Here's where John begins. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. 
We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Again, he's talking about Jesus. He begins with Jesus. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. There are striking similarities, I should say, between first John, the beginning of 1 John as well as the Gospel of John. In fact, if you stay for our Sunday school hour uh, in our adult classes, you will look at those, you'll compare those together um, from John 1 and 1 John 1, you know, where we see in the beginning was the word. <laughs> and, and here in 1 John, it's that which was from the beginning, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And it's interesting here that John says right at the outset that he's written this letter so that you may have fellowship with us. So that you may have fellowship with us. So here's the theological, biblical truth there. When you hear the good news of the gospel, when you respond in faith, you become a part of the family of God. You, you belong to the kingdom of God. You belong to the family of God. You are, you're entering into this loving relationship with Almighty God. You're entering into, in, in the right biblical sort of way, you're entering into Christian community with brothers and sisters in Christ, like-minded believers. Um, and so it's a beautiful thing when we respond in faith and we're part of this community, we're part of this family. Uh, and and you, you step, that transition, of course, is when you go from darkness into light. So let, let's continue reading. We're in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, we're at verse 5. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. How many of you had a DC Talk song running through your head when we read that? <laughs> I know I did. What's cool is God is associated with light all the way through the Bible. So in the beginning, right, uh, God's first decree is let there be light. And we talked about it at the end uh, in Revelation 21. It's God is the light there. So, so God is associated with light all throughout the scriptures. And we know something about light. We saw it in the, the video a moment ago, that, that light is a necessary part of our world. For our world to thrive and function, we need light. There is no life apart from light. And so the, um, the illustration is, is an easy one. It's not lost on us. There is no life apart from God. He is the light that our lives need. There's no joy apart from walking in the light of God. And so in some ways, and I don't want to go down this rabbit trail too far, but in, in a lot of ways, the, the setting for the book of 1 John is a response against some of the some heretical teachings, some, some wrong uh, errors that were being kind of embraced by some of the spiritual groups and then kind of filtering into the church. And so part of what he's responding against here is this false teaching that was prevalent uh, in that community uh, that taught that God's not perfect. God, God isn't a, a perfect God. Uh, and so 
this was easily adopted in their worldview because in their worldview, the other gods weren't perfect either. The, the, the surrounding nations and the gods they worshipped, I mean, they had a lot of scruples and shortcomings. So, some of them were just downright cantankerous. <laughs> some of the people groups had gods that were like, yeah, this god is, I mean, he, he's pretty ornery. He's pretty difficult. Uh, he, he's got a lot of flaws and weaknesses. They, they were temperamental. They were selfish. Um, and so part of what John is doing is actually responding against that to say, no, but our God is not like that. Our God is like, you know how desperately we need the sun? <laughs> you know how desperately we need light in order to function and thrive and, and our crops need it to grow? Like, that's what our God is, is, is like. Um, he's affirming, and, and part of this, by, by putting it this way, God is light, in him there is no darkness. He's affirming that God is pure. God is holy. God is righteous. There is no dark side to God. Um, and so we see this also in Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul writes, God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lo- lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. Now, Here's the reason that I, I think this is such an important message, not only for the people who were in darkness uh, back then in John's time, but for us today in North America in 2022. Here's why I think that this is such an important and powerful message. Because a lot of people are in the dark. Because a lot of people's existence and experience is they are in darkness. They're living in all sorts of darkness, mental darkness and emotional darkness. Just look at the world around you. They're unhappy. They're unfulfilled. They're unjoyful. They're, they're lonely. People are living in spiritual darkness. When you're separated from God who is light, you're in darkness. You're in, you're in spiritual darkness. You're separated from Christ. You're, you're blinded to your own sin. And I'll say part of the reason that we as a church must be committed And have a vision for the generations that come after us. Is look at the culture that our children, that our grandchildren are in. Look at the current climate that our young people are facing each and every day. These next generations are particularly disenchanted with life. They they are particularly bored by the things the world has to offer. Not thrilled. They're, they're, they're grappling and searching for meaning, for significance. They're, they're grappling with their own identity in a really big way. And so I would say this for, for each and every one of us, uh, whether you're young or not young. If you are in darkness today, if you're, if you're experiencing darkness in some way, I want you to know that there is great hope and that the Lord beckons you even to come out of the darkness and into the light. That it's when we step into the glorious and radiant light of the gospel that the Lord helps us have greater clarity to see the things that we need to see. And so I'm really trusting that the Lord is going to speak to each and every one of us today as we read this letter uh, written to the people of God, written to the saints. Uh, And and you'll see as we study this letter that, that there are times where John specifically calls out to the older ones, I say this, and to the younger ones, I say that. It's, it's clearly for the whole body of Christ, the kingdom. But I want, I want each and every one of us to hear this clearly today, that Christ calls us out of the darkness. 
Whatever the darkness that you're experiencing is, he calls us out of that and into the light. Some of us are just aching to hear that good news. Some of us are just longing to be free of the the shroud of darkness that covers us. It's like the person I heard about that got a text message saying, I'm here for you. They responded with, thanks, I'm going through a tough time. That really means a lot. And sorry, I lost my contacts. Who is this? This is your Uber driver. I'm here to pick you up. (laughs) Oh. Now, there's a book called With by Sky Jathani. And uh, in that book, he shares about a test that was given at a Christian college. Uh, this, This test... Uh, This survey is given every year to the incoming freshmen at a a particular Christian college. And so uh, it begins with a series of questions that that ask the students, these incoming college freshmen, what Jesus is like. Uh, It's 24 questions. Then there's a second set of questions, uh, the same amount of questions, and they are questions geared at the the language is, is slightly altered, but it's questions about themselves. So they're asked questions about what Jesus is like, and then the next set is, is questions about themselves. Do you know what the findings are of this survey of, of college freshmen going to a Christian university? Those two tended to mirror one another. They, they tended to respond the, the same way. In other words, everyone seems to think that Jesus is just like them. Everyone seems to think the characteristics that I have That's what Jesus is like as well. So, (laughs) we might think we're becoming more like Jesus, and that's something we strive for, uh, and and as church leaders, that's something we want to see happening in our fellowship, is that sort of discipleship where we're becoming more like Jesus. But reading this kind of made me wonder if the reverse might be true, (laughs) that we're trying to make Jesus more like us. But he's not like us. And so we, we have this truth that we can proclaim, that we can, that we can look to in the beginning of the book of 1 John chapter 1 here. We, and we embrace this, that our God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He's not like us. We, we are flawed and sinful. We are prone to do wrong and to break the laws and commands of God. But In him there is no darkness. He's not like us. Just like darkness can't exist in the presence of light, sin cannot exist in the presence of God. And so I think that's why then, if we want to have fellowship with him, and if you you look closely at this passage of scripture, you will see these, these conditional statements, which are easy to recognize by the word if, six times. Uh, for, for those of you who took the how to study the Bible class, you, you may remember we learned how to uh, look for those signs when we read the scripture. Th- these are if statements, and he makes six of them here. A- and one of them is, if we want to have fellowship with him, we must confess our sin. We must then put aside sinful ways of living. But I think that this is a powerful truth as we talk about God not being like us. I don't want a God that's like me. I I am so blessed by a wonderful God who's nothing like me. Isn't it fantastic to know our God doesn't have those ulterior motives? 
Our God isn't selfish in that he wants to use us and abuse us only for, uh, for his own selfish purposes or pleasures, but that he loves us. And when he, when he responds to us, yes, it's for his glory, but he calls us then to bring him honor because he's worthy. And in doing so, it blesses us. And so isn't it wonderful to know that our God isn't a selfish God or a temperamental God? He doesn't just demand that we serve him and, and create fear in us. And so uh, with that as a preface, that, that our God is light, I want to encourage us this morning to allow the light of God to shine on you. Allow the light of God to shine on you. Walk in the light of God. And uh, when you do that, you enjoy the warmth and the brilliance of the presence of Almighty God. You walk with a radiance and a joy that this world knows nothing of. And so I want to share this morning with the rest of the time we have together uh, three things that happen when God's light shines on you. These come from the text this morning, but three things happen when God's light shines on you. And the first is that we have fellowship with others. This is a clear teaching from this passage of Scripture, that, that God designed us to live in community, that we need each other. We're not built for isolation. We just saw this recently with the storms that came through, when neighbor helped neighbor, when community rallied around those in need to make sure everyone is safe, everyone has access to what they need. And this is why we are committed to the small group model of doing church right here in this local church. We have between five and 600 people who consider MCA home. That's why we're committed to doing a small group model of church. Because we need each other. Because we need to do life together. And so we encourage each and every one of you to plug into a core group. And I don't just mean your name is listed on the roster. I mean you're investing in the lives of the other people there. I mean you're allowing them into your life. You share with them. You encourage them. You, re you, you, you receive the mutual uh, blessing and benefit of doing life together. We encourage each and every person to plug into a core group. It's, it's imperative that we have fellowship in these smaller settings. You know, when we gather here in our sanctuary for a large group, we, we sing songs of praise, we study the word of God together. That's fantastic. But we need those smaller settings where we can sit down together and go deeper together and continue to learn and grow together. So that, that's why we're committed to doing that. I'm also just blessed because over, the, over this past year, I know we have at least three different uh, men's discipleship groups that have arisen. Uh, John Schmidt has been largely kind of instrumental uh, in doing that and just the, the Lord... Uh, speaking to John and kind of stirring him up in that regard. And so I know we have at least three different um, men's discipleship groups that have arisen. One of them is simply one of our core groups and uh, the men of that core group deciding, you know, we're going to get together uh, several times each month and uh, do Bible study and prayer and, and encourage one another. And so that, that's fantastic. I'm really blessed and encouraged to hear that when we're, see, what that is, is that's being intentional about community. And I think when God's light is shining on you, that's what is evident in your life, is that you are living in community and having fellowship with others. When God is not working in your life, well, then the opposite is true. That, that's when you pull away from other people. You don't want to be known. You don't want to engage. 
You refuse to make sacrifices to bless other people. It's like, well, why would I give up some of my free time to go hang out with those guys in my core group? I've got better things to do with my time. No, God has placed you there. God wants you to grow, and God wants to use you to encourage others to grow. And so it's imperative that we do this. Uh, and if, if I'm stepping on your toes right now and the Holy Spirit is bringing some conviction, you know, maybe, maybe you have kept people at arm's length. I want to encourage you that now is the time. Now is the time to step up and engage. So, so maybe you don't have a core group. Come and talk with us. We'd love to get you plugged into one. Or maybe you've been on the roster, but you just haven't been showing up and you haven't really been connecting with others. Stay for our Sunday school hour this morning. And this coming week, maybe check in with your core group leader or someone else in your group and just ask how you can pray for them and encourage them. Those are the sorts of relationships that we're encouraging that we see from the scriptures. When you're walking in the light of God, you have fellowship with one another. John puts it real clearly here at the beginning of verse 7. So we're in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is a theme we're going to see throughout the letter as we study it. In fact, look again. I hope you've got your Bible with you and open it in front of you. Look again. Did you notice? I said that John wrote this letter, didn't I? But it's written in the plural. We have heard. We have seen. We proclaim. We write this. If we claim to have fellowship with him, we walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. Isn't that interesting? He writes it in the plural. He models for us. He is John. And at this point, he's probably the last living, remaining of the twelve. We know through church history something about the martyrdom of the others. That, that uh, of course, we know Judas and his story, but the other ten were martyred, were killed for their faith. And then John was the one who continued on and lived into old age. He's like the last of the Mohicans. He's like the last one standing. He is this revered spiritual giant, and yet he's not above Christian community. He's like, no, I'm, I'm with a group here. And we talk and we pray and we encourage each other. And he's got people helping him and serving with him and like-minded with him. He's, he's the last of his generation, but he still submitted himself to loving Christian community and accountability. And we see that even in this letter as he writes it in the plural. And so we should do the same. Walking in the light of God means we have fellowship with one another. The next one is that we share Christ with the world. So we talked about this, uh, this sort of obvious metaphor and illustration used here. God is light. The kingdom of God is one of light. Light shines in the darkness, right? And so we've been placed in a dark world so that we will shine brightly for Christ. And so when God is working in your life, you make the most of every opportunity, everywhere you go. And so it's helpful to be encouraged because sometimes we don't expect God to use us in certain places. God wants to use you everywhere you go, at your kid's game. You're like, wait a minute, I like to cuss the ref out at my kid's game. God wants to use you everywhere you go. At the gas station, at the grocery store, at the restaurant, at McDonald's. You know, I was just at McDonald's the other day. I ate a kid's meal. It made his mother pretty upset. 
If we go back to the first three verses of this passage, let's take note. Let's see if there's a point of emphasis that we've missed prior to this. End of verse 1 into verses 2 and 3. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard that you may also have fellowship with us. Is there a point of emphasis there that we didn't notice before? Proclaiming the good news of Jesus, sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. Are you proclaiming the glory of God's kingdom in the places that he has you? People need to hear the good news that there is a loving heavenly father who will never give up on them, who is able to rescue them from whatever darkness in which they find themselves, that there is a God full of light in whom there is no darkness. They need to hear about Jesus, about his sacrifice. They need to be taught then about repentance and forgiveness and holiness. People need to hear that there is a God who stands ready to forgive them and restore them, a God who can cleanse them from their sin. So when we're walking in the light of God, we share Christ with the world. There's one more result that I want to share this morning. When we walk in the light of God, we are purified by Christ. This is a part of light that we didn't necessarily talk about this morning, but light has a way of disinfecting. It has a way of, of cleansing and purifying. And so walking in the light of God intensifies our consciousness, our awareness of sin. And it should intensify our desire, urgent desire, to get rid of it. And you go, well, how do I get rid of sin? We're sinful people. We're prone to do wrong. I hardly go a single day without doing something that really messes up my relationship with God or others. So how do we get rid of sin? Is it by trying really hard to be good? No. We rid ourselves of sin by this. Confession. The light of God illuminates in our lives our need for a Savior and our need for forgiveness. And so how do we rid ourselves of sin? It's, it's simple. It's by confessing that sin. And, and 1 John is really clear on that. He, he, makes, that, he makes that clear, that, that honesty before God results in forgiveness and in cleansing. And so let's pick it back up at verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so there's an important point here, and that is the acknowledgement of our sins. That we must recognize that we have sinned. That we, that we cannot maintain this pretense of perfection. Have you heard about the bishop that was walking down the road and he stumbles along a few boys and they're gathered around a dog? And he's a little bit alarmed because he, he's sort of fearing for the dog's uh, well-being. You know, like, well, what's going on here? Does this dog need help? And so he goes over to the boys and he says, what, what's going on over here? They say, well, we found this stray dog. We all want it. We all want to take it home. And so we decided we have a contest to see who gets it. Oh, that sounds, sounds good. What's the contest? 
Well, it's whoever can tell the biggest lie gets to take the dog home. He says, I cannot believe you. Why, why would you think of concocting lies to tell one another? Don't you know that you shouldn't be doing such things? Why, when I was a boy your age, I never told a lie. So they, of course, took a, took a pause. The boy speaks up and says, all right, fine. He gets the dog. The teaching here is clear from verse 8, that, that we must recognize our sin. We, we cannot maintain this pretense that we've not sinned. But the good news that God stands ready to forgive and cleanse. So verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank God for this precious promise. That it's when we come to the end of ourselves, when we declare we have a great need, that he responds. When, I, when I'm weary, when I'm heavy laden, when I'm overwhelmed by the burden of sin and, and steeped in darkness, I can step once more into the light of God. Into the cleansing that arises only as a result of the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And lest we throw up our hands and say, what's the use? I'm just going to sin again. What, what's the use in confessing that I'm a sinner? God knows that I'm a sinner and I, I'm, I'm helpless. So I'm going to do it again. Listen to the, let, let's actually go into the chapter 2 here. I want to look at the first two verses. And I guess what jumped out to me is sort of a tenderness uh, from this older saint to those who are younger. And he's, he's pleading and he's calling them as he's calling us to holiness. My dear children, he says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only ours, he has to remind us here, it's not just you. It's just not, not the ones that are special, not the ones who have been in church their whole life, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's a tenderness here in these verses. Lest we think, why, why should we repent? We're only going to mess up again. We have this encouragement. Dear children, God stands ready to forgive. And as you lean into him and allow his light to shine in you, he says, I write this so that you won't sin, so that you would begin to recognize the great offense it is to God when you walk in darkness. Oh, dear children, stay in the light. God is faithful, and he will see us through. And so when we admit our need and admit our sin, it's not like, well, it's okay, God will just forgive me again, so I'll sin again. It's God has been faithful to me and has forgiven me, and I want to press on to stay in the light. Not to just continue to walk in darkness, saying, well, God will forgive me for, for my wrong. But to say, I want to stay in the light as he is in the light. Because I want my life to shine for him in all the places he has. So God is faithful and keeps his word. He, he will keep his word, this precious promise that he'll forgive and he'll cleanse. Our part is just simply admitting our need. And, you know, in any 12-step recovery program, the first step is admitting you have a problem. The first step. 
It's when people won't take that step that they stay trapped. They can't go any farther. But when we confess our sin, when we walk in the light of God, we have victory. Because Christ is victorious. Because through Christ we are able. We can stand strong. And so let's walk in the light as he is in the light. We will know the joy of fellowship with others as we share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we do confess our great need for you. We plead with you, oh God, for those who are in darkness. We plead the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ over these next generations coming after us. That they would stand strong because of Jesus. That the gospel seeds planted in their hearts and lives would grow and thrive and flourish. That they would rise up to be a generation who's pursuing the heart of God. That they would shine like stars in the universe amidst a crooked and depraved generation. So Lord, we thank you that you beckon us to come into the light. I would pray this morning, Lord, for for courage for even those who are gathered here in this place. And and, uh, our prayer team is going to be available uh, here in the front after the service. And we would invite you to come. And so, Lord, I pray for courage for those who need to come forward and confess sin and seek your heart and your face and receive ministry and prayer this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for your Holy Spirit that guides us and convicts us and helps us. We thank you for this powerful epistle of 1 John and the the dear tender heart of an older saint who was willing to share with those that are younger. And we thank you for the older saints that are with us. Give us ears to hear and a sensitivity to listen to and heed their guidance. So Lord, we thank you that you are a God of light in whom there is no darkness. We thank you that you are not a fickle God or a selfish God or temperamental, but that you are patient, you are gracious. You are slow to anger, abounding in love. That you are a God full of compassion. That your compassion is for us, your people. Your compassion is for the sheep who have wandered from the fold. And your compassion is for the dark world and the people who don't know you and who are far from you to the ends of the earth, the globe over. And so, Lord, we're just trusting you that your gospel will go out. We pray that you would use us in all the places you've put us, at the gas stations and restaurants and in the schools and at our kids' ball games, to shine brightly for you, that you would be the one exalted and glorified. So, Lord, we thank you that you're the faithful God, that you are you stand ready to forgive and restore, to cleanse us from our sin, to purify us from unrighteousness. We thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.